listening to Lady Radio, the hottest show this side of Dizzo. and welcome to what we were hoping would be a regular feature on the show. Joining me at the Spaceport Bar this evening is the Grand Pooh Bar of licensed fiction. He was the Kickstarter trailblazer who started his own Kickstarter to fund a Kickstarter. Published author, father of two, grandmaster, pianist, guitar and clarinet player, animal lover, authority on the Higgs boson particle, founder of the Mark 1 VW Golf Owners Club, chairman and founder of the Ashford Astronomical Club, and finally, owner of a small plasma accelerator, which he uses to dispose of unsolicited callers and door-to-door salesmen. Welcome, Drew Wega. Thank you very much, Chris. Uh, I think that's a pretty comprehensive introduction. I can't think of anything else I do. And I do, I do sleep sometimes as well. Probably worth pointing yeah, out. Yeah, <laughs> I don't actually think that's possible, given all the extra stuff that you do. You seem to be uh, one of the world's wonderful overachievers, if you ask me, Drew. I like to keep busy. Um, yeah, I've, yes, I've, I've lost you. You've, only got, uh, you've only got one life. You might as well use it. Well, I think the first of all, did I miss anything off? I don't think so, no. That was pretty good. Uh, although I do, I have been known to write the occasional book, so there we are. Yeah. Ah, you see, I knew there was something missing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Drew, for, um, for those people that haven't been cyber-stalking you for the last three days, tell us a bit about your background, what you do, whereabouts in the UK you are, and how you found the Elite franchise. I can go back. back. I'm, I'm a little bit of a confusing uh, uh, in terms of where my origins are. I was born in Canada. Half of my family is Irish. Um, so I'm in an unusual position of being British, but not English, which does tend to confuse Americans. Uh, so apologies for that. Um, but uh, yeah, I am. Um, I'm, uh, I was actually very interested to your uh, previous podcast because I was listening to you guys all say how old you were and then you all admitted you were in your 30s. Now, that made me feel even worse because I'm well into my 40s now. So I, I count myself as one of the original elite um, players. Um, I came across elite back in 1984 uh, when it first came out on the, uh, yeah, the, the platforms it was ported to straight after the BBC. Uh, yeah. I, I got it for Christmas. Um, which I think must have been 1985, looking back on the history. I thought it was 84, but it uh, looks like it can't have been, so my memory must be slightly faulty. Um, but, yeah, I, I got it for Christmas. It was, it was this amazing box of, of, of goodness. It was much bigger than the normal cassettes that uh, you got um, Spectrum games on at the time. Here was a massive box with the Elite logo on top of it. And when you opened it up, it was bursting with a manual and you know, a book and a, a ship identification chart and a keyboard overlay and a lens lock, which we don't want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad bit of the experience. But, yeah, it was full of stuff. It's like, oh, this is fantastic, fantastic. So, um, yeah, so um, really right from the start... Um, um, I wasn't. I, I was lucky that my dad was an electronics engineer, so I'd had a computer in the house for a while. Um, and when I first saw Elite um, on, a, on a demo, um, uh, I was just completely blown away by the, um, you know, the vector graphics, the hidden line removal, all that kind of stuff, because I knew already how difficult that was. Um, and I just remember looking at it, thinking, how did they do that? <laughs> just being completely blown away by. And I knew it had been written by people who weren't that much older than me. Uh, and I just remember, yeah, I'd done basic programming, I'd done a tiny little bit of assembly by this point, and I was just looking at it thinking, well, that's impossible. You can't do that on this computer. And there it was on the screen, just spinning around merrily, and I'm just thinking, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> and when did you find out about the uh, 
the fact that it was finally coming back? I mean, do, first of all, that's the original Elite. Did you actually uh, get on board with the Frontier or the First Encounters Did, franchise? Yeah, I, I, I'll admit this kind of now. I'm I'm not really a Frontier or First Encounters person. Um, Ooh. I, I know. Ooh. Sorry about that. Um, I, um... <laughs> it's a good job your Kickstarter's already finished, otherwise I could see people flouncing already. The alienated about two-thirds of the audience already. <laughs> um, I, was, um, I was at university when those games came out, um, and I was kind of interested in short skirts and vegetable products <laughs> being fermented for drinks by that point, so it kind of passed me by, and... I do. I do remember some magazine articles saying, "Oh, Elite is back," and you know, there's this new version of the game. And I remember looking at it, and thinking, "Yeah, that looks pretty cool." But I didn't have an ST or an Amiga at the time, and it was many years afterwards before I got a you know a half decent PC. So um, I actually played Frontier, I think it was, in about '96. Crikey. When believe it or not, I found it, and David Braben won't be very pleased about it. But I found it <laughs> in the basement at PC World. And uh, I thought oh, I'll give it a go because it was only like two ninety nine or something by that point. And you know, I plugged it in and I had to play around with it. And all the kind of reviews that people had made of the game earlier on, saying it was so difficult and it was so realistic that it wasn't any fun to kind of fly. You know, the whole thing about the jousting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of got I kind of got that, and it it wasn't as much fun as dogfighting in Elite. But um, being an astronomy kind of buff, um, as you as you found, I did like the realism. And, you know, I like doing the slingshots past plants, but I tended to play the game more for just the sightseeing rather than playing the game properly. So whereas on the Spectrum you know, original, I did I did genuinely get to Elite, having killed however many ships you need to kill. On Frontier, I never got anywhere at all. Um, I think I ended up hacking the save file so I could have a decent ship. So oh, <laughs> sinful. So, yeah, the later games were kind of of interest to me, but they weren't really... The life-affirming event that the first one was right, but obviously it was uh, it was life-affirming enough for you to uh, to want to get on board with the the Kickstarter. At what point did you find out that Elite was coming back? I've um, I wasn't straight in there. I think I arrived on about day two because I saw the BBC News article yeah. um, under the technology section, which I pick up on my um, phone kind of every morning, and I remember thinking, "Oh, that's Elite. That's the Elite logo." Clicked on the article because I was very, uh, you know, I'll admit to anybody who's prepared to listen to, I was incredibly skeptical that Elite would ever come back. I'm on record on the um, I think <laughs> forum somewhere, some of you will dig it out, I'm sure, um, saying oh, it'll never happen. David Braben's left it too late. We're all getting too old now. Um, now, probably thinking myself more than anybody else there, but there we are. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember thinking, oh, it's come back. You know, there it is on the news. And then it was kind of like a Kickstarter. So, I, you know, I had no idea what a Kickstarter was. Um, so I clicked on the link. Uh, when I got to work, which was probably a bit naughty, but it was half past eight, so I felt I could get away with it. <laughs> I was reading, and there was this video and you know all the other bits and pieces that were going on with it. And I remember thinking, you know, they're, they're generally trying to do this. This is fantastic. And by the time I got to it, I think there was something like £200,000 already pledged of the, the target. So it was like, oh, it'll be done in about three days. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I must admit, in those early days, it was—it uh, almost seemed like a done deal. I was the same as you. I came in and uh, on day two, probably after seeing the BBC article and then getting bombarded on Facebook by all my friends who, I mean, I'm well known amongst my friends of being a, an elite nerd. You know, yeah. when there was when there was no elite, I, you know, had uh, you know the elite logo on my wallet and all sorts of uh, various sort of self-made uh, elite memorabilia. So uh, I just literally got bombarded by all my friends on on day two of the campaign and said, you know, you've got to check this out. But like you, day two, you thought it was a, a done deal. You know, quarter of a million pounds. 
we're, you know, we're, we're well on our way. Yeah. I mean, I got, I got, so I got the BBC thing and then um, I popped across to the Oli forum, which I've, I've been on for a while. And um, obviously it had been stuck, you know, picked up there as well. And people were discussing it with kind of, you know, variations on disbelief. And, you know, is, is this, is this, a, <laughs> is this actually happening? <laughs> for so long, for so many years, it's been like elite four. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then. Um, and it just felt like it was never, ever going to happen. And I was very much of the opinion that it was, you know, yeah, we can't go back there now. It's just it's too long gone. You know, the last game came out in '93, I think it was. You know, it's yeah. been 20 years since the last game. <laughs> and it's just, that's just that's the entire childhood gone there. You know, there's a whole generation that's grown up going, "Leap, you, you want?" <laughs> and you know, my childhood memories as a as a 13 year old playing it. You know, that that's that's a long time ago now. And my kids are now approaching the age that I was when that game came out. Yeah, you know, it is a generation. It literally is a generation. So obviously we know where you ended up uh, with your Kickstarter pledge, but on day two, what did you initially go in at? Um, I went in, I think I recall, for £25 because it, it, there was a digital copy of the game and um, something else that I thought that, that sounds quite good. And you know, I'll admit, actually, I, I did intend to go more, but I kind of figured it was going to be a done deal within about a week. So it <laughs> um and um, so I went in kind of at the relatively low level because it was kind of like, well, you know, I'm, it, it, this is great, but um, it, it's all looking good. And um, I pinged an email um, across to David Braben and uh, said, look, you know, I wrote some um, novels for the only fan version of Elite. Would you be interested in, in, in the possibility of writing an official novel for, for this one? Um, thinking, well, that's a long shot, but um, <laughs> um, you never know. Yeah, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And I got nothing back at all. I figured, okay, well, they're, they're going to be busy. They're doing all this stuff. I'll just leave it uh, leave it to run. Um, and that was kind of where I was stuck. I was you know, interested in watching the dev updates and the diaries and all that kind of stuff. But I was just really watching it from the edges by that point just to see kind of where it went. Uh, yeah, so that was my kind of initial involvement, if you like. And then, obviously, the writer's pledge appeared on the Kickstarter. Tell us what you felt when you first saw it. I mean, was it something that you initially thought? I mean, obviously, having sent that email to uh, to David, it must have immediately sort of sparked your interest to see that they were saying, you know, come and write us a book. Yeah, my initial reaction was um, actually kind of, oh, well, that's stuff that then, because I haven't, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got four and a half thousand pounds. Game over, Commando. <laughs> Um, which okay which leads me on to the next question then is how did you come up with the idea of creating your own kickstarter campaign to fund a kickstarter something that you know previously had never been done um, to be honest it wasn't my idea i'll admit that there's a there's a chap on the only forum who i won't embarrass by naming he knows who he is and he'll probably be listening and he'll probably be cringing at this point who who put a blog post up when i was we were discussing this and he put a blog post up saying, well, of course, we could just start a Kickstarter to fund the Kickstarter to go. And, <laughs> and went, what a stupid idea. And then after about six blog posts, somebody said, so why wouldn't that work? <laughs> and we all kind of, well, it wouldn't work because. And we couldn't think of a good reason. Um, and I went away thinking, about, no, this is stupid. There's, there's no way that would work. And I was trying to think, well, what are the downsides? If, if it doesn't succeed, then nobody's lost anything. Um, if it does succeed, then you know, we're in for a shot at writing a book. And there was definitely a feeling on the the Oleap forum that it would be really good to have some sort of official kind of Oleap input into the new game in, in, in even a very limited way. 
because there was a sort of feeling, I think, from the fan community that these fan remakes of the game had kind of kept the torch going. Yeah, absolutely. Really, all through those years, you know, the sort of 20 years since the last game. And, you know, you've got Olite and you've got Pioneer and you've got the FFE DD, D3D versions. You know, all that kind of good stuff is out there that the fans have really done themselves. And uh, the more we sort of push this idea around, the, the more we thought, actually, well, there is no downside here. If we fail, we fail. But if we succeed, then it's all to play for. So I thought, I'll give it a bit of thought. I, I did. Um, I read the Kickstarter guidelines to see if it was, you know, it was doable. And I couldn't see anything in there that said, no, you can't do this. And um, I kind of started putting together, I put together some blurb. Um, grabbed some graphics, sort of did a bit of revisiting of my own history to sort of see if I had the credentials and see if they made sense. Recorded a video, stuck it up, sent it in for Kickstarter approval. That came back. I sent a, an email to David Brabham via the Kickstarter this time saying, look, this is what I intend to do. Can I use some footage from Elite and Frontier as part of the video? And at that point, I did get the response from David basically saying, go for it and good luck. That's it. So that's how it got started. Brilliant. Well, I mean, obviously, it caused a lot of publicity, both for the the main dangerous campaign and obviously for your own campaign. Some of it was positive. Some of it was uh, maybe not quite so positive. But the industry really sort of got on board with it. You had um, interviews coming in from the likes of Eurogamer, from uh, CVG, from MCVG as well. How did you react to that? I mean, obviously, there was some positives. Uh, There was a little bit of ridicule. Man starts a Kickstarter to fund his Kickstarter pledge, that sort of stuff going on. How did um, how did you cope with that publicity? Well, it was it was very strange, actually, because for the first couple of days, the, my Kickstarter went really rather quickly. I think I got um, about a thousand pounds of the kind of four and a half I was shooting for in the first day. And then suddenly there was a 500 pound pledge. One of my 500 pound pledge for a main character went and everyone was kind of looking at it thinking initially really, really skeptical, you know, will this work? We've probably not got hope in hell, but it's worth a try. And then suddenly after a day, it was like, we were already one third of the way through this guy. <laughs> one gone past, you know, where's this going to go? And, um, and then after about three days, suddenly the internet, I don't know where it started, but suddenly the internet, you know, the media suddenly picked up on this kickstarting a kickstarter thing i don't know why actually it was mine that got picked up because there was another one running commander boz had actually started i think just a little bit before me um but for whatever reason it was my one that piqued their interest got it in the across the internet and then suddenly i was just getting emails from yeah, the guys on only and a few of my friends say, your name's all on the internet. What's going on? <laughs> and I was at work. I didn't have access to this at the time. So I kind of had to wait until I got home. And then suddenly I just logged on and there were internet articles everywhere, it seemed. And that, you know, some of them were kind of positive. Some of them were derogatory. You know, and some of them were filled with comments from people saying, this is absolute madness. You know, this guy's a complete nutter. He's obviously a crook. Um <laughs> getting people to give him money so he can have and then there were all the kind of snidey comments saying well can i start a kickstarter on this guy's kickstarter to fund the other kickstarter <laughs> and then <laughs> it just went on like that it was just kind of self self-perpetuating a lot of people there were, there were quite a few sort of dissenting voices on the main elite comments board as well basically saying you know, what what is this and this isn't right you're detracting from the main kickstarter yeah. and kind of all that kind of stuff and i was sort of on, on one hand, my, my mind was thinking, well, there's no such thing as bad publicity. It's all kind of good exposure. On the other hand, I was very conscious that I was worried that I'd unleashed something that, um, you know, whilst I'd got permission from David Braben to go ahead with it, 
it, it was kind of getting a bit out of control. It, that's certainly what it felt like in the early days. And I was trying to be very careful with what I said on the comments to make sure I was you know, being as fair and above board as possible, trying to win people's confidence on it. Um, at the same time, you know, it felt like every five minutes there was an email saying, there's another article saying this. <laughs> <laughs> it's the fact that nobody had seen it sort of done before, done successfully before. So there was, I think there was a lot of people who just didn't get it. They just couldn't get their head around it. And I must admit, from my point of view, you know, the, the elite Kickstarter roller coaster kept me going from sort of start to finish. And uh, I was trying to include my wife and um, friends as to what was going on and uh, trying to get across to them yeah okay so now you've got um, a writer's pledge so you can actually write a piece of official licensed fiction and, and there's this one guy who has a few guys who have uh, started their own kickstarter campaign to uh, which I, I've pledged on as well in order to uh, get you know enough money so that they can pledge on the main kickstarter and no matter how many times I tried I never actually managed to get across all I got were these blank expressions so you've what? You pledged on a main Kickstarter, and now you're pledging on another Kickstarter, so that guy can raise enough money to pledge on the Kickstarter that you've already pledged to. It's impossible. Right. <laughs> it now, and, and kind of after the event, when it's actually worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it didn't just work. I uh, we've got to be thankful because obviously the, the a main Kickstarter, the main Elite Dangerous Kickstarter, was a long old road, and you know, there was certainly some time in the middle where. Yeah, everything slowed down and yeah, we were getting £6,000 a day. Uh, we were way off uh, the run rate that we needed. But all the time bubbling in the background, you had these separate community projects. Some of them were getting close to their targets. Some of them just over the line. Some of them were just starting out. So even though the main Kickstarter slowed down, you still had the, sort of the, you know, the, the thrill and excitement bubbling up because you had all these separate uh, community projects that were following you and Boz in terms of setting up their own Kickstarter. So it, I think it helped the momentum of the main Kickstarter keep going. But in terms of the main Kickstarter, how did it feel for you, obviously running in tandem? Uh, and was it a relief when David Braben and Frontier Developments came out and said, okay, even if you know the main Kickstarter doesn't get funded, you know, don't worry, all those people that have got the writer's pledge, we will still honour that. And even if the main game doesn't get made, then you guys can still go ahead and write your story. Yeah, it was that was interesting, actually. That that was the first sign to me that David was, was absolutely paying really, really close attention to what was going on because one of the things that came up fairly near the beginning, apart from the whole Kickstarter, uh, funding a Kickstarter thing, uh, and I remember writing one of the FAQ questions saying, you know, are you allowed to do this? Yes, I am. Um, does it make sense to do this? Uh, maybe this is a brilliant idea. Maybe it's not, but we'll find out kind of thing. Um, yeah. and, uh, I was just getting a bit kind of tongue in cheek about it. But um, one, of the, one of the questions that came up you know, very sensibly was, OK, well, what happens if your Kickstarter is successful, but the Elite Dangerous one isn't? Because then you're mm. having bought something that doesn't exist, but you've, you've got to honour a pledge to the people who've pledged for you which is a very sensible question. Uh, yeah. I'd already thought about that before I started the Kickstarter. And what the, the way around it I'd envisage was that my Kickstarter would end um, about six hours before the official one, you know, the Elite Dangerous one, which gave me a chance. If it looked like it really wasn't going to hit it, then I could kind of just bail out, cancel my Kickstarter at that point. With a, yeah. It's not going to work. So I didn't feel I was in a position where I was compromising anything. Um, and I could be genuinely honest with everybody who'd given pledged me money to say that it isn't going to happen. Thank you very much for your support. But, yeah, we tried and the whole thing isn't going to happen. Um, but David Braben obviously 
and taken a look at that and gone basically, okay, well, there's clearly a lot of interest in these books. Um, and Elite Dangerous was kind of looking a little bit flaky, like you say, in the in the in the first half. Um, and he came out with the idea of giving us that license half price if the game wasn't funded, which basically meant um, for me at that point, I was suddenly I am going to be writing a book one way or the other. <laughs> Absolutely, but I mean, even at that, even at that point, you're over the halfway mark. But you went on. You uh, got successfully funded, more than successfully funded. You finished somewhere in the region of seven thousand pounds, which remind me, got you to which stretch goals? Um, I think that got me to um, the everything bar the uh, actual print run of the physical copies, so I can do a print-on-demand book. I can get all the editing and the artwork and all that kind of stuff done, which which is pretty good. And actually, I've been discussing with my publisher about that and we'll possibly do it as an ebook first yeah if that sells to a certain level which actually isn't too high based on our calculations we'll be able to go and order a print run and then have a print run available and depending on where my funds are at the moment if i can economize on a few things we may still be able to push that one along so i'm pretty confident we'll be able to get a, a physical print run out of it in some fashion that's perfect and the one thing that we haven't actually talked about so far is the actual <laughs> reclamation itself. Do you want to just give us a quick lowdown of the the project, a bit about the story and, and where you hope to take it? Yeah, I'm um, I'm actually still in negotiations with um, with Frontier about the plot. I'm I'm hoping to get an email tomorrow saying yes, it's okay now because I've spent the last well two months actually uh, working on the fine details of the plot and then having to revise some of it based on the fact that Frontier basically said, nope, that can't happen. Uh, <laughs> it exists, do that there. And, and lots of other things that have come out from the Writers' Forum and you know various stuff that David Bremen's obviously considered uh, very, very carefully. Uh, actually, that, that attention to detail has been quite a surprise to me, actually, because I'd written the plot with kind of my knowledge of Elite and the research I'd done on um, Frontier and First Encounters, thinking I'll, I'll try and stay away from the obvious areas um yeah and my style of writing is is much more about the people the characters the emotions um the dialogue and the kind of conflict between individuals and it is about the technology and the spaceships and stuff so i wasn't initially too um concerned that my plot have many major problems um kind of integrating into the elite dangerous universe so i've i've been quite surprised by the level of attention to detail which has been provided to me which to be honest is great because it you know it really means that the um the, the the story is bedded into the elite dangerous universe really really well um but the attention i was going to say is that a, is that a, is that a positive thing from your point of view or is that a frustrating thing considering how much time you've already ploughed into you know, getting your plot sorted surprising and my initial reaction was ooh okay i've got to do a whole bunch of work here which i wasn't expecting <laughs> and, um yeah that, that was that was a bit of a surprise because i kind of expected to be getting a yep just tweak this tweak that and then you're good to go where actually there's a bunch of stuff here oh yeah you can't do that because you know this is the political structure of the way things work uh you can't do that there because hyperspace doesn't work like that anymore um <laughs> You know, and, and all this other stuff, you know, and I got access to a whole bunch of information I'd never seen before, you know, the official elite timeline, which, you know, goes from now in the 21st century all the way up to 3300 AD with, with lots and lots of detail and lots and lots of events in between. Uh, we've been privy to, uh, and um, Michael alluded to it in his video today, um, you know, all the details about the, the way the empire works and the way the federation works and the way the alliance works. And, you know, I had to change quite a lot of my story because it it um my my story is based on 
the sort of political machinations of an imperial family. And of course, I had to align the way that imperial family works with the official way the the empire is put together, which um, which was a fair chunk of fair chunk of work. Quickly take us through the synopsis of the story that you're going to be writing. Well, I don't want to give away too much because it's kind of one of those things that's um, I'm still playing close to my chest. But what I, what I will tell you is that um, Elite Reclamation is all about um, you know a, a a kind of quest for um, self. It's all about somebody finding their way, and there's there's multiple levels about the way this happens. So there is you know some good sort of classic storytelling devices in there like uh, you know a, a tragic loss betrayal lot there is conflict in the sense of, of people arguing with each other and people um, plotting and undermining each other and, and having plans that sometimes work and sometimes go awry there is there is murder there is intrigue there is underhanded dealing there are pirates um, there are people who think they're in control who find that they're not and they, they can't get stabbed in the back and get betrayed and all this sort of good stuff so there's a lot of that going on um it's spread across um a a series of systems but one particular system in particular um which is kind of on a on the edge of empire and federation space in a sort of disputed uh disputed area between the two powers it's a long way from kind of civilization so you know the rules get bent and um people aren't as necessarily honest as they should be where they might get picked up for it in the core systems out here on the frontier things are a little bit more wild so there's, there's plenty of scope for, for that kind of stuff happening there's a, there's a very strong um, female lead character in this one which is a little bit of a signature for the sort of books i like to write um we've got some um you know some complicated nuanced characters and, and you know i'm hoping as you read it um, you're going to be thinking at the start, okay, well, which character should I be rooting for? Who's who's the kind of antagonist and who's the protagonist here? And I'm hoping that you'll still be wondering that about two thirds of the way through the story, because I'm I'm hoping that the, the plot works in such a way that you're not going to be really able to guess who's on whose side, who's kind of who's the goody and who's the bad. It's going to be complicated stuff, but I'm I'm pretty confident it's going to be compelling. That sounds really really interesting. I can't wait for it. Looking at the website today, obviously there might be a few people that missed the original Kickstarter. Looking at the reclamation page, is it right that you can still uh, still donate through PayPal? Yes, you can. Um, there's a link on there to to help out on this. I'm still shooting for the, the funding to get me a, a guaranteed paperback um, print run, uh, which shouldn't be too far away. Um, I think I need another about another thousand and a half pounds, sort of fifteen hundred pounds or so, to guarantee that over the course of the next year. So if people are uh, wanting to do that uh, via PayPal, I'd obviously be very, very pleased. And the standard set of awards that were available on the Kickstarter are still available uh, as part of those PayPal pledges, um, with the exception of the um, major and minor characters now, because those are kind of baked into the book. Perfect. So there you go, guys. If you haven't backed Reclamation yet, there's still a possibility to go out and get your hands on an ebook copy nice and early. What's the website? Uh, www.elitereclamation.co.uk. Fantastic. And this is something we've been asking all the um, all the authors. But obviously, you guys, you and Boz got the ball rolling with various projects, the various side projects on Kickstarter. Uh, are you prepared to uh, to confess which other Kickstarter projects, apart from the main one that you actually uh, jaunty up and backed? I'm pretty sure I backed all of them. I got a little bit confused towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> Because some of them weren't on Kickstarter, were they? Some of them were on um, Indie... Indiegogo, and yeah, 
Um, that took me ages to get my head around how you were supposed to pledge on that because it didn't seem to like my um, um, account details for us. So, but I think, um, unless one of the writers tells me otherwise, I think I'm on all of them. And if, if I'm not on all of them, they should send me an email because I'll, um, I'll, I'll stick in a pledge for them to, to get the ebook that they're producing. Because I, you know, I, I generally want to read what everybody else has written. Um, so I think, I'm, I think I'm on all of them. I hope Perfect. I Perfect. And if it's not pushing you too far, um, from all the ones that you backed, uh, are there any particular one, one or two, that you are really looking forward to coming out? I'm very much looking forward to the um, the kind of gaming book one, uh, which name is uh, unfortunately is a bit embarrassing. I'll have to get my browser up and have a look. Um, that that was the one um, that kind of got me because I remember playing the um, um, you know the fighting fantasy the books around that age that I was playing a lot, and there was Warlock of Firetop Mountain and, and, and a few others that I, I fondly remember and and playing that and getting my kids to play it actually um, I think they'll love that um, as a game in, in that universe so that one kind of yeah that's one I'm most looking forward to I think of all the rest. Brilliant and final question Blue Sky Thinking what would you love to see in the new Elite Dangerous game please don't say Planetary Landings. <laughs> yeah, I saw your comment about that earlier. Actually, I would, I'd like to see Planet Land, you know, genuinely, but it's, it's that's not the thing that kind of really gets me going about Elite because, of course, that wasn't there in the original game. And in fact, it was it was said in the Dark Wheel that you weren't allowed to land on planets for very good reasons. That you know, kind of a non-interference thing that was going on, and that was the explanation. Then, of course, the graphics weren't up to it. We know that. But uh, yeah. Now, what I want to see in the new game is. Is it, it, the, the answer to that question is kind of I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure if that's not a cop out, Drew. Well, but let me justify it. It, it. I want to see the unexpected. The thing that I loved about um, the original Elite was, um, you know, sometimes stuff would happen that you just didn't know was going to happen. Like you'd go into hyperspace or witch space, whatever you want to call it, and suddenly you were chucked into the midst of this kind of Thargoid invasion. Yeah, and there was nothing more gut wrenching than you're on your way back having just battled that whole bunch of pirates and your ship was shot to bits with a massive cargo of narcotics and then suddenly you avoid <laughs> invasion play battling for your life thinking oh god i'm really 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 stuffed now um yeah and i thought docking was the hard part you know the game would occasionally chuck these unexpected events at you and you know the other one on the spectrum i remember was suddenly hyperspacing into a system and you know the sun was going supernova and you had to kind of yeah. rescue some people and get out of there really really fast um and then you've got some rewards and stuff like that. And it was things like that that kind of really added to the game. So what am I looking forward to in Elite Dangerous? I don't know. But the things that I don't know are the things I'm looking forward to. Fantastic. Well, looks like they're calling last orders at the bar. So we are going to have to wrap this up. But Drew, thanks very much for your time this evening. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Cheers, Drew. Founder of the Mark One VW Golf Owners Club, chairman and founder of the Ashford Astronomical Club, and oh, I'm gonna have to do it again, bollocks. <laughs> <laughs>